SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM. And all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. In hour number two, you can expect a lot of college sports. Some college football into college basketball, conference action. Jim Root from Three Man Weave joins us here to break down some CBB. And then from the hoops... On the hardwood, in the college space, up to the pros and around the association, FanDuel's Brian Fonseca joins us to round out hour number two. So the two themes of the second hour, college sports and basketball. We'll get to all of that here on TMA on this Wednesday. And we begin with college football. One last rodeo in the essence of bowl season last night at the Texas Bowl in Houston. LSU and Kansas State. And it was our last true bowl game before the college football playoff national championship comes in five days on Monday night in Indianapolis. And it was fun one last time. LSU had just 39 scholarship players available. And credit to the Bayou Bengals for even playing that game in what seems to be a little bit meaningless, but still gave us some thrills on a Tuesday night in Houston, Texas. It was the Kansas State Wildcats, though, prevailing in a big way, winning by more than 20 points, 42 to 20. Because of the scholarship limitations for LSU last night, the line that opened at five and a half by the time we got to kick got to nine and a half points in KSU's favor, maybe even 10 in favor of the Wildcats and Kansas State easily covering that number. A total of 54 and a hook from an opener at 48 and a half also goes over. So LSU had just 39 scholarship players available and active last night. They were starting a guy by the name of John Trell Kirkland at quarterback. John Trell Kirkland hadn't played quarterback since he left high school around 2018. He came to LSU as a defensive back recruit under Les Miles, had seen a lot in his time there in Baton Rouge, was a wide receiver through most of his time, went back to a defensive back, and then was a wide receiver this year in 2021 before making his first collegiate start at quarterback last night in the Texas Bowl against Kansas State. And Kirkland gave us a thrill. 7 of 11 last night, 138 yards, and three touchdowns through the air. 11 rushing attempts for 61 yards. And if you were an LSU team total overbacker like our good friend Kevin Walsh, OK-Dubs, taking LSU over 17.5 points, John Trill Kirkland's 81-yard Hail Mary as time expired in the Texas Bowl to give LSU 20 points in their total gave you an absolute thrill. If you saw Kevin Walsh on Twitter last night, he was doing the gritty in his family's living room watching the Texas Bowl. Don't tell me there's too many bowl games when you get those type of reactions in watching the Texas Bowl. But Kansas State, the winner last night, 42-20, to covering a number that even had some closing line value in a big way, covering as a 9.5-point favorite last night and a name to know for the Wildcats moving forward an outstanding running back and Deuce Vaughn 
Deuce Vaughn is a small guy, listed at 5556 on the Kansas State roster, but a thrill nonetheless. 21 rushing attempts last night against LSU's defense, 146 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Keep an eye on Kansas State and Deuce Vaughn in the Big 12 a season from now. So that was the final true bowl game, the Texas Bowl last night in Houston. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, we look forward to the college football playoff national championship thank you for listening on sirius xm channel 159 the mightier 1090 out on the west coast and all of our radio affiliates i am ben stevens so bowl season in its true essence came to a close last night but one final college football game to go in the year 2021 now in 2022 the national championship game on monday night in indianapolis just setting the stage gives me chills number one alabama and number three, Georgia. A rematch of the SEC championship game now for a chance to hoist a national title trophy. Kirby Smart against his former boss in Nick Saban. Kirby Smart has never beaten Nick Saban. 0-4 straight up against Alabama and his former boss in Nick Saban. The Tide looking for their second straight national championship, their fourth in the eight years of the college football playoffs history. In Alabama will be an underdog yet again, like they were in the SEC title game in which the Tide won outright as a six-and-a-half-point dog. Right now on FanDuel, Alabama a three-point underdog against Georgia. The over-under is at 52-and-a-half. But not just the spread in the total up right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Also, some anytime touchdown props for the Natty already available and a couple of prices that you need to know and some players that will certainly highlight what we see on Monday night in Indianapolis. So let's look at the best odds right now. Jamison Williams, the outstanding wide receiver for Bama, minus 150 to find Pater on Monday against the Dogs. Brian Robinson Jr., who was outstanding, rushing the ball for 26 carries, 204 yards against Cincinnati in the CFP semi. He is at minus 135. Despite that historic rushing performance out of Brian Robinson Jr., he did not find the end zone. Just something to keep in mind. My favorite price right now is Brock Bowers, the freshman tight end out of Napa, California for Georgia, as you see there at minus 110. Brock Bowers has found the end zone in four straight games for Georgia. He has six touchdowns in total in those four straight games. And right now, he's at minus 110. Do you get ahead of the prop lines for the national championship game this early on? Five days out for Brock Bowers, it might be worth a look. That's on Monday. Right now, tons of conference action in college basketball. We go to the zone up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Now in this new year, the calendar year of 2022, conference action in college basketball is front and center. So let's dive in by going to the zone. You know this about me, and I am Ben Stevens, and you are listening to the morning after on SportsGrid on Sirius XM, Channel 159, and watching all across the entirety of the grid. And you know that I am Ben Stevens and the host of this show, but also a proud graduate of Syracuse University, where playing the 2-3 zone is a matter of life 
and death. Yes, it is that important. So whether it's the 2-3 zone or the 1-3-1 one, one, or the 1-1-3 one, one, or the boxing one with trapping principles, we get into the zone here to give you all the trends and knowledge that you need to know about this college basketball season. So you can be a smarter and more informed sports better and you're handicapping for college hoops on the hardwood. So let's look back on last night. The unanimous number one team in the country, the reigning national champs, the Baylor Bears remain undefeated with a big conference win last night at home in Waco, 84-74 over Oklahoma. Now, OU not ranked, but a team receiving votes, so you could say they're a top 30 team in the country, according to the AP poll. Baylor just one of three remaining unbeaten teams in all of the country, an 84-74 win last night. The line got up to about 11.5, 12 points, so Baylor does not cover but they've been a favorite in every game this year they have not covered in three straight but they are still eight five and one against the spread a total of 139 goes over the fifth straight over for the baylor bears again the number one team in the country unanimously the reigning national champions and according to ken palm also number one but as you need to know a top five most efficient offense and a top five efficient defense as well for the Baylor Bears. OU is a pretty good team. Like I mentioned, just on the outside looking in for the AP Top 25 in the most recent poll released on Monday afternoon. A top 40 team, according to Ken Palm, 11-3 straight up this year. And now Oklahoma, because of a cover last night as a 12-point underdog on the road, 3-0 ATS, a perfect record against the spread as an underdog this season. In fact, in the first two games for OU as an underdog, the Sooners won outright in both of those first two games as an underdog. And when you look at where Baylor stands right now in the realm of college basketball, the reigning national champs who knocked off previously undefeated Gonzaga in the title game last year to cut down the nets in early April, right now Baylor still tied for the second-best odds to win the national championship in the 2021-22 college basketball season. 10-1 to right now, tied with the likes of Purdue and Duke. Gonzaga is still the favorites at plus 700. Kansas, as you can see there, 14-1 to to win the national championship. The fifth best odds right now, Kansas, another team out of the Big 12. The Big 12 is a really good conference this year with Kansas, Baylor, Texas, you have teams like Oklahoma just on the outside looking in Iowa State. If they can sustain their success, Iowa State's only loss this year is to Baylor. Teams to know within the Big 12 Conference that will certainly factor in to the conversation around college hoops in this new calendar year. So the Big 12, a very good conference, as is the SEC. Not in football, as they were this year, of course, two teams playing in the national championship, but also in basketball this year. The SEC is not a league to be trifled with. And we saw a great display of two top 25 teams in the Southeastern Conference last night in Baton Rouge. The LSU Tigers, the number 16 team in the country, in a great game down the stretch there in Baton Rouge, holding on to beat Kentucky 65-60. Kentucky ranked 21st in the country. So this game was very back and forth, really throughout. LSU led by five at the halftime break, then was down by as many as eight early in the second half. Then LSU had a seven-point lead under two minutes. The Wildcats storm back to make it a one-point game around a minute left, but LSU prevails, and because they were a two-and-a-half-point favorite, a couple of late buckets for the Bayou Bengals, LSU covers the number of two and a half points as well at home. The total is another area you need to mention. We mentioned it as our bye-bye-bye best bet yesterday on a Tuesday edition. Now on Wednesday, we recap it. The total of 143 
stays under LSU, the top efficient defense in all of college basketball, according to Ken Palm. The Tigers have also played 12 of their 14 games to an under. 12 of 14 under. That's tied for the most total unders at 12 in all of college basketball. There are 358 Division I teams we take into account here, and LSU is tied for the most unders in all of college basketball at 12. Certainly something to keep in mind for your handicapping of LSU moving forward. Also, LSU is 11-3 against the spread. The Tigers only have one loss to Auburn, a top 10 team. LSU, 11-3 against the number. That is tied for the best ATS record in all of college basketball among teams in high major conferences. The other team they're tied with, California, UC Berkeley, out of the Pac-12. So LSU, a formidable side in the SEC. Kentucky, meanwhile, now 0-2 as underdogs this year. And 0-2, of course, against the number as well. In fact, Kentucky has only played in four games. That has been a single-digit spread. Two of them as an underdog, two as a favorite. Kentucky has lost three of those four games in which the spread was in the single digits. All these things to keep in mind as we look at the SEC championship odds as well. Because Kentucky is still the favorite to win the SEC right now on FanDuel at plus 260. Alabama in action tonight on the road in Gainesville. The second best odds at plus 350. Auburn, the third best odds to win the SEC at plus 410. Auburn is the eighth ranked team in the country, or at least ranked in the top 10 right now. Auburn might have the National Player of the Year in Jabari Smith Jr., a very talented freshman for the Auburn Tigers. Auburn is also 13-1 straight up, 10-4 against the spread. Their only loss came back early in the non-conference late in an absolute shootout against UConn. Auburn already has wins over LSU, Nebraska, St. Louis, Syracuse, Loyola of Chicago, all of those Final Four in non-conference play. Auburn is a very good team. So in my mind, at plus 410 with the third shortest odds right now, tons of value on a top 10 team in the country in the SEC championship market. Then we get to the four-digit prices. You see Florida and Tennessee at 10 to 1. LSU, who we just talked about, at 12 to 1, the sixth shortest odds to win the SEC. And again, the SEC is a very good conference this year in college hoops. Five teams currently within the AP Top 25. Auburn, the highest ranked, then Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU. All five of those teams also in the Ken Palm Top 20. And then you throw in the likes of Florida, who ranks 28th in Ken Palm's rankings. Florida hosts Alabama tonight in Gainesville. They are a two-point favorite currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll break that game down with Jim Root coming up in just a couple of minutes. So from the SEC to my neck of the woods is Big Ten Ben in the Big Ten Conference. A team you have to know, the favorites right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the Big Ten Conference, Illinois. Illinois goes on the road last night against a Minnesota team that only had one loss previously and stomps the Gophers inside the barn notoriously a pretty tough place to play on the road in Big Ten action but Illinois goes and beats Minnesota on the road in the Twin Cities 76 to 53 Illinois easily covers as a six and a half point favorite the total of 140 stays under it ended an eight game over streak for the Illini here's what we need to discuss about Illinois Illinois lost two of their first four games of the year to Cincinnati and Marquette. One of those games without Kofi Coburn, the outstanding big man for the Illini. The other game, it was Kofi's return to the lineup. 
Outside of that, they lost to Arizona, a top 10 team. But Illinois has won six of their last seven games. They have covered in six of their last seven games. They are currently not ranked, which makes no sense to me. And Illinois, as you can see right there, the favorites now to win the Big Ten Conference at plus 260. Tons of movement in this marketplace. Purdue was an under $2 favorite early in the week to win the conference, and Illinois was plus 410. Now the Illini, more than a dollar ahead of where Purdue is at plus 260. The Boilers at plus 390. And again, Kofi Coburn, huge last night against Minnesota. 29 points, 10 rebounds. He is 14-1 to to win the Wooden Award. That is the eighth best odds right now in all of the country. Minnesota, not bad. Only two losses this year, both against Big Ten competition. But Illinois deserves to be ranked and is probably a top 15 team. More college basketball with Jim Root up next here on The Grid. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com College football is coming to a close. Only the national championship game in five days on Monday night remains for the CFB season. But in terms of college basketball, ooh, it's just getting fired up. Conference action across the country is looking really, really good right now. We break all of that down right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome on Jim Root. Back on the program, Jim Root, one of the three of the three-man weave, one of the best covering college basketball across the entire media space. Jim also works for the Action Network, has a podcast and a show with Field of 68. Everything he does lives and breathes college basketball so who better to help us break it all down as the conference slate has really become front and center jim thank you for joining us here on a wednesday on the morning after yeah appreciate you having me this is that time of the year where you know as, as like you said college football's wrapping up and i'm i'm inviting everybody into the college basketball world we, we missed you we're ready for you march is only two months away let's do this that's what the crazy thing is, right? When college football season comes to a close, you're like, oh, yeah, college basketball is picking up. It's like, huh, we're already in the conference slate, and conference tournaments are less than two months away. So we're getting into it right here, right now. And, Jim, as we look across the country, only three teams remain unbeaten. The number one team in the country in Baylor, the reigning national champions, USC out in the Pac-12, and then Colorado State. And Colorado State winning last night against Air Force did not cover as a 20 and a half point favorite, but still the Rams remain unbeaten. So for people just becoming familiar with college hoops again now in 2022, what sense do you get out of Colorado State this year, Jim? Uh, team is really good. It's, they're a lot of fun. You know, last night was probably the best example I've run into this entire year of the, the perils of COVID betting where Colorado State was coming off a long pause. So it's like, all right, I'm, I'm in on Air Force. I think they're going to be a, a really good bet here. And then they were missing three starters, including their best player and their best bench player. So I bought off and they covered anyway, covered easily anyway. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes the injuries don't matter. Sometimes the absences don't matter. But with the Rams, they're a lethal offensive team. They've got a guy, David Roddy, who kind of inside out, built like a linebacker, 6'5", 250. Uh, he's, he's terrific. And they've got a bunch of really, really good shooters. So 
I think they're probably the best team out of the Mountain West and are going to be a threat come March. They're well coached and they've got, like I said, that deadly offense. And if you're winning the Mountain West tournament, you're getting an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament and then can cause some havoc for maybe some of the high major teams we will see in March. Colorado State, a top 20 efficient offense, according to Kenneth Pomeroy right now. So you know when Jim says they can certainly play offensively, he truly means it. Jim, one of the surprises so far this year, in my mind, out of the Big East had been the Providence Friars. And then you take a trip to Milwaukee and you play Marquette, who shows up in the biggest games against a lot of marquee opponents. And the Golden Eagles win by 32 points. 88-56 over Providence, who was 13-1 entering last night and previously unbeaten in Big East play. Not against Shaka Smart, who gets his first ever Big East win as the head coach of Marquette. What was your takeaway from last night in Milwaukee? I, I don't want to put too much down on Providence after that. Like they, I think they're still legitimate. It, it was a really tough spot. It was, you know, the second leg of the Midwest road trip for those, those big East schools that got to go to DePaul and then up to Marquette. You're away from home for a while and they're missing their best shooter. AJ Reeves had a broken finger, was not able to play. He really helped space the floor for them. I mean, obviously a lot went wrong. It wasn't just one guy, but I think it's more the spot, and I'm not too concerned about Providence going forward. I, I continue to love Marquette as a home dog. I think Shaka's just feisty, and he gets those guys up for those big situations in Milwaukee. So keep an eye out for more spots like that. I'm sure when Villanova and Seton Hall come to town, they'll be a good spot for the Golden Eagles. I mean, look at Shaka Smart and Marquette's schedule this year. Wins over Illinois, Providence, and West Virginia. Losses to St. Bonaventure, Wisconsin, UCLA, Xavier, and UConn already in Big East play. I mean, it's just filled with teams that you will know as we go through this college basketball season. So, Jim, as you look at the Big East, already a conference rematch early on in the conference slate tonight between Villanova and Creighton. The Wildcats, the favorites to win the Big East. What do you make of this matchup? Nova lost to Creighton on the road in Omaha to start off their Big East conference play. Yeah, definitely revenge on the minds. And I think just off the off the cuff, like, man, it seems like Villanova should should get back here. You know, home, hosting a really young team in Creighton that should probably see some road struggles this year. But on the court, it's a tough matchup for Villanova. Creighton has evolved into one of the best rim teams in the entire country on both ends. Ryan Kalkbrenner's a beast. I think they rank in the top 20 in field goal percentage offense and defense at the rim per hoop math. And that's that's kind of the antidote against Villanova. They don't have rim protection. They don't have much interior scoring or much size. So it makes sense that Creighton was able to give them trouble in Omaha. I can't bet on Creighton again, though. I, I just think that this is a, the, the spot's too good for Nova. Finneran Pavilion, they are tough to play there. Uh, Villanova just seems like because of the spot in the gut sense, uh, I would lean towards the Wildcats at home. Nova, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite tonight against the Blue Jays coming from Creighton. Nova also an odds-on favorite, Jim, to win the Big East at minus 105. Do you agree with that pricing on Jay Wright and the Wildcats? I think so. Uh, maybe, I'd, you know, I'd love it a little more plus money to actually bet it. Uh, or coming into the year, I was like, yeah, Villanova, tier by itself atop the Big East. There's some challengers, mm -hmm. but, man, it's Jay Wright with his point guard back and some other consistencies in the rotation. But they've shown some vulnerabilities. You know, that, that game on national TV at Baylor where they got embarrassed certainly sits in, in people's minds. But they did win at Seton Hall, which is a – they, they beat Seton Hall. I, I can't remember if it was on the road. I think it was. Yeah, it was at Seton Hall. So that's mm -hmm. about as tough as it gets in this league. 
Uh, they just got to keep teams like the Pirates and UConn at bay and even Providence starting to threaten there as well. I do think Villanova is the class of the league, but it's not a head and shoulders difference anymore. Uh, the, the, the contenders are coming. So from the Big East to the Big 12, another shocker to begin this year in college hoops. Iowa State, the Cyclones' lone loss this year over this past weekend to the number one team in the country in Baylor. Iowa State at home tonight against another top 25 team in Texas Tech. The Cyclones a four-point favorite, the over-under 127 in a hook. Jim, how do you break down this matchup tonight in Ames? I like Iowa State, although the market clearly does too. They've been hit with a hammer. I think it opened down closer to, to pick or minus one. But hmm. Texas Tech has, hasn't been awesome on the road. And really the big concern here is, is from a matchup lens, Texas Tech doesn't have a point guard. Malik Wilson, the, the closest thing to it on their team, is out. And Iowa State will pressure you like crazy. They, they are everywhere on defense. Otzelberger's got them playing crazy hard, and he brought in some pieces that can play that kind of defense, especially Brockington from Penn State and Tyrese Hunter, the freshman mm -hmm. point guard. Uh, and then also for the Red Raiders, probably missing Terrence Shannon. He's been struggling with back spasms. Doesn't sound like he'll be a go for this one. So the Cyclones taking money makes sense. Coming off the loss, big home spot here against uh, at Hilton Coliseum against uh, a really quality foe. I think the money's on the right side here. I, I lean towards Iowa State. Jim, when you look at the Cyclones overall through the rest of this college basketball season, two months now into the conference slate in the Big 12, which is going to be a great league once again, of course, with the likes of Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma on the outside right now, but still a formidable side. You see Iowa State on FanDuel with the fifth best odds to win the Big 12 at 12 to 1. They're ranked 39th in Ken Palm despite being a top 15 team. So how sustainable do you think this level of success is for the Cyclones the rest of the way? I think it's pretty sustainable. I'm not going to go so far as to say they can contend at the top. Baylor and Kansas, I think, are are just mega elite, you know, top five teams in the country. Mm -hmm. So it's no slight on Iowa State that I don't think they're a true Big 12 title contender. But, I mean, the rise up the rankings is real. They've been excellent so far this year taking down some really good teams the the Xavier win really stands out to me Xavier's been terrific this year um, so I think if you filter out preseason priors at, at Bart Torvik's website they're like top 20 in the country and they're top 10 in defense mm. so they are still getting weighted down by the the, the preseason expectations but everything they've done on the court speaks to how, how how good they are their high quality what Otzelberger's done in his first season so I think they're still an NCAA tournament quality team. You're probably going to get in that large in that, you know, maybe six to eight or nine uh, range and, and just, you know, be pretty more, a lot more convincing than we expected coming into this year. So if you can't tell from the flag that's hanging upside down behind Jim Root there, he is an SEC guy, a Missouri guy, and Missouri not great in the SEC this year. That's why the flag is upside down. But Jim, the conference overall in the Southeastern Conference is really good, not only in football, but basketball this year. In a great SEC matchup tonight in Gainesville between Florida and Alabama. It's, in fact, the Gators as a two-point favorite at home tonight, as you see some of those SEC championship odds up on your screen. What do you make of the matchup tonight between the Gators and the Tide, and then maybe just the SEC overall this season? Yeah, long term, I love Alabama. I think they're they're going to be a good bet in conference play here, but I kind of like them more at home. And this matchup's weird for them. They, they're their big thing offensively is they want to spread you out. 
drive into gaps, get open threes, and Florida's best attribute is their perimeter defense. They brought in a ton of transfers that can guard two different guys who were defensive player of the year in their leagues in a mid-major conference last year. So I think they can frustrate Alabama, sort of lean towards the Gators, but the price isn't right for me there. Uh, overall in the SEC, though, I, I think it's Kentucky and Auburn at the top. You know, Kentucky did fall mm. last night at LSU, but their point guards got hurt. And Auburn's been an absolute juggernaut. They dominated South Carolina on the road. They've been terrific. I think the Tigers are the team to beat. Auburn plus 410, the third shortest yep. price. I think there's tons of value on the Auburn yes. Tigers. Jim Root from Three Man Weave. If you're not checking out Three Man Weave and you want some college hoops insight, you need to do that right now. Also hosting shows for Field of, 60, Field of 68, excuse me, and working for the Action Network as well. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on a Wednesday on the morning after. We will talk many more times throughout college basketball season. The NBA, up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network. I'm Ben Stevens, and to round out this second hour, we welcome on FanDuel's Brian Fonseca. A focus now around the association in the NBA. Brian, we just talked college hoops. Now to the professional ranks we go to check in on what is happening in the NBA. Brian, thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday on the morning after. Yeah, see, now now that Christmas is over, now we're going to start paying more attention to the NBA nationwide. So it's 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 about to get serious. We're about halfway through the season, Ben. Like, this is where it starts to really pick up now. Brian, it's the same sentiment we have for college basketball. College football season almost done. The national championship game on Monday. Now the attention into college hoops. And it's already conference action. Like, it's in the thick of it. We're going to the NBA yeah. season and it's almost halfway done. We're already in the thick of it as people come off the regular season for the NFL and games dwindle a little bit on a week-by-week -week basis. So let's go around yeah. the association and let's start with the King. The Los Angeles Lakers, the preseason favorites to win the Western Conference, has had their fair share of struggles so far this year. But with a win last night over the Sacramento Kings, the Lakers Back to above 500 for the first time since the middle of December. So, Brian, the game last night against Sacramento at home inside Crypto.com Arena. A win for Los Angeles by eight points, covering as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Not so much the game last night, but your overall takeaways on L.A. at this point of the year. Still not used to the Crypto.com Arena. Uh, and I wanted to throw in there, as a former SID, I am very familiar with this time of the year picking up for college basketball. Another story for another time. Uh, yeah, uh, Malik Monk was great last night, and it was one of his best games of the season. Uh, he was somebody who, ever since coming back from COVID, has fully recovered, which is, you know, first and foremost, and has been playing really well. Of his last six games, uh, including last night, and last night he had 24, he's averaging over 20 points a game, closer to 21 points a game over those last six, shooting like 56% for the field or something like that. He just looks more comfortable in the offense when you watch. He just looks like he's really falling into that role that I expected. I had been joking earlier in the year. I was looking at fan duel odds, and I was saying, hmm, Malik Monk, six man of the year. Is this something that's feasible? Tyler Hero is running away with that right now. So 
you know, it doesn't look like that's going to happen for Malik Monk. And five of these six games that he has played really well lately, he has come off uh, as a starter. So, but it's important to get him going. Like, that's the big thing with the Lakers right now. LeBron is going to be LeBron so long as he's out there. He has been LeBron. He's been, like, super LeBron as of late because he's been just even better. And the results have sort of still been 50-50 or 20-19. and You want to see this from the role guys. And Malik Monk is one of the guys who I think can step up and really take advantage of this in the absence of Anthony Davis for however long he's out. Taylor Horton Tucker is somebody who was struggling these last seven games, like, really struggling, Ben, like, really struggling like he was shooting 0 of 16 from three over his last seven games and averaging just seven points a game in 26 minutes per game during that stretch and 30 percent from the field he's not really somebody who i think like he's that bad necessarily like i think he's better than that and he showed he had a 19 point game last night on 9 of 13 shooting which doesn't sound like much but it's his best game in almost two months because November 17th was the last time that he played really, really well. He also had another good game, like, you know, sometime late December. But Taylor Horton Tucker has been very inconsistent, and you need to see more of these efforts from him. Dwight Howard maybe had his best game of the season, which is really good. Um, I mean, it, this is all also against Sacramento Kings on their home floor. And no disrespect, but they're not a team that I think that the Lakers should be necessarily just toying with. I think they should want to steamroll them but then again this might be who the lakers are at this point of the year especially without anthony davis mm-hmm. so 2019 about halfway through the season um i'll put it to you this way in terms of futures bets not really putting any money on the lakers at this point and we are about 36 days away from the trade deadline so something tells me we have this conversation 37 days from now it might be different, you know, it might be different. We might be having a different uh, conversation in terms of Lakers roster construction, uh, right. whether it be from a trade and then subsequently there will be buyout rumors and an L.A. market like the Lakers, like the Lakers are going to always do very well in the buyout market. So this could change uh, moving yeah. forward anyway. Yeah, and that's what LeBron does. When you get to the NBA tread down line, if he wants to make a couple of changes to his own roster, GM LeBron puts on the hat and maybe makes some moves for Los Angeles. Player LeBron has been absolutely outstanding. 30 or more points in eight of the last nine games for LA, including 31 last night against the Kings. And although it doesn't seem like much, an eight-point victory at home over Sacramento is a cover for a team that has the worst ATS record as a favorite this year. So still a good result for the Lakers last night. Tonight, though, Brian, a huge night in the association, especially in Indianapolis between the Brooklyn Nets and the Indiana Pacers. Now, I just mentioned the Lakers have the worst ATS record as a favorite. Second worst is the Brooklyn Nets. But the reason this game is so meaningful tonight as the Nets are an eight-point favorite on the road, it's the return most likely of Kyrie Irving on the road for the Brooklyn Nets. A big night in Indianapolis, Brian Fonseca. What do you make of this matchup between the Nets and the Pacers? There's a lot of different ways this one can go. We can go to how uh, the Nets sort of folded and are letting Kyrie Irving being a part-time player. We can go to how uh, the -the on-the-court stuff and if he's going to even look good. Uh, We can go to the Indiana Pacers really playing one of the most uninspired brands of basketball so far later uh, so far during the season and as of late 
Um, look, I don't know how to feel about this because I am one of these people who, yeah, I was kind of disappointed in the Nets when they sort of folded here and was like, eh, you know what? We want Kyrie to be a part-time player, especially when they don't really need him right now. Like they're clearly, you know, trying to figure things out. Like Steve Nash, I felt sent a message to his younger guy or a younger guys, veteran guys rather with his younger guys, uh, recently, uh, and their loss to Memphis on uh, Monday, I believe it was, and they were getting mm-hmm. clapped by the Memphis Grizzlies. And they just left in the young guys who ended up, you know, Dayron Sharp and Cam Thomas. Guys were just making plays and ended up almost coming back and cutting it to within 10 or 11 points. And they just left James Harden and and Kevin Durant on the bench the entire time. I don't see, like, why they're bringing back Kyrie Irving into the fold here because it doesn't seem like they actually need him. Uh, But, you know, I mean, when you have stars, uh, and this is something that I used to argue with Net fans about because... They used to say, like, they had this culture and things of that nature, and that goes out the window once you bring in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and you bring in religious stars, and then James Harden subsequently after that. So there's a lot of different ways this can go, and Kyrie Irving is going to have trouble playing in, you know, like in Nick games in certain parts of California, and then, you know, we'll see, yep. and obviously home games, and then what happens if they play the Raptors, who we're going to get to in a little bit, and you know, Boston is starting to, you know, have a vaccine mandate now where, you know, you have to be uh, fully masked all the time if you're not going to be fully vaccinated starting, I think, January 15th. You need to have at least one dose or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how this unfolds for the Nets. I think that a lot of people are still going to have them as a championship favorites. I, now in fairness, I have these injury questions about everybody. I specifically have them about them because we're still watching Kevin Durant post Achilles and I just watch him and I'm like, hopefully the other shoe doesn't fall, but you almost expect it at this point because everybody's injury prone now. Like that's the thing about the NBA. Like we talk about guys that continue to get hurt. I feel like everybody's injury prone now. And if you haven't been hurt yet, then you're probably going to be at some point. Um, James Harden, we keep talking about whether or not he's going to be in shape, the hamstring, et cetera, et cetera, that he suffered last year. Is that going to carry over? And I kind of look at him as a running back, as somebody who's been to the foul line so damn much and has taken a lot of contact and has had high usage rates throughout the years. Like, it's not going to it's not going to surprise me if he has some sort of wear or tear later on. So in terms of betting, I'm thinking about it from those perspectives of how that's going to be. As far as tonight goes, um, yeah, I don't expect the Pacers to do much. They've lost five straight, eight of the last ten. The two teams that they beat. Uh, to make that eight of the last 10, as opposed to 10 straight losses, were the Detroit Pistons and the Houston Rockets. So, yeah, uh, I'm rolling with the Nets, and uh, we'll see how Kyrie Irving looks, but, you know, I'm not going to be uh, watching it with any sense of joy or whatever the case may be because uh, I care about uh, some other things sort of beyond just what we see on the court. So, yeah. Yeah, and the Nets right now have lost three straight games. They're 23-12 and 12 straight up, but now that's the second-best record in the Eastern Conference behind the Chicago Bulls. And again, the Nets have been favored in 30 of their 35 games this year and are just 10-19-1 against the number when booked as a favorite. But you see these Eastern Conference title odds right now on your screen. And the Brooklyn Nets have a yeah. very short price still as the favorites at plus 140, a dollar and a half or more ahead of where the Milwaukee Bucks are, plus 300. And then you could look at the NBA title odds as well in Brooklyn, plus 260 to cut down the Nets as the NBA champions, $2 ahead of the Golden State Warriors. So the Bucks right there, a dollar and a half behind Brooklyn. The Bucks tonight at home in Milwaukee as an eight-point favorite against the Toronto Raptors. So Brian, let's start first with the Bucks and the Raptors tonight, and then we'll dive in maybe to some of the Eastern Conference odds as well. 
The Bucks on a long winning streak prior to losing to the Detroit Pistons a couple of nights ago. Yeah, the Detroit Pistons ended, I think, a seven-game win streak for Milwaukee. How do the Bucks now buck that trend and get back on top tonight? This is the game of the night. I absolutely love uh, how the Bucks have looked uh, after a six and eight start. There's something like nineteen and six since and then the Toronto Raptors. I, I just love organizations who don't really bottom out. The Spurs, the Miami Heat, the Pacers, I respect what they're doing. Uh, they don't really bottom out necessarily, even though some would say they should. The Raptors are in that category. I would throw the New England Patriots in there, there except uh, as a New Yorker, I can't stand them. So I, I'm not going to do that. But the Raptors, um, they're one of my favorite one of my favorite watches this season. Fred Van Vliet is an all-star. I don't even think it's debatable. And I almost want to put him as a starter with DeMar DeRozan and over Trey Young and Zach Levine because of how awesome he's been. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam's been under the radar. Very good. Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year candidate. And then Milwaukee, like, they're not on the second of a back-to-back, so I think they're going to win this, and they'll probably cover. But I think the Raptors are going to play hard, and I think it's going to be one of those games that's just very fun to watch. And speaking of All-Stars, Giannis Antetokounmpo, obviously, and then Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday should absolutely be in the All-Star game this year. So I think Milwaukee gets two, and I think this is going to be a fantastic game when we watch it tonight. So only about a minute left here. We showed those Eastern Conference odds. The Nets a short price at plus 140. The Bucks behind them at plus 300. The Bulls not far behind either now at 10 to 1, still the fifth best odds to win the East. Who do you think is the most legitimate contender to Brooklyn to win an Eastern Conference crown? I think it's still Milwaukee. And I think you still get good value there for now. And I think that as the season progresses, like now will be the time to put money on Milwaukee because we're sort of sleeping on them a little bit. As the season progresses, I think that that number, you're not going to get something like plus 300. It's going to start dropping to plus 280 and plus 260 and things of that nature. And the, te- the other team that I would look at is obviously Miami. Throughout all the injuries and COVID-related stuff, somehow like they've managed to put together a really good regular season so far. Uh, with mostly road games, I think Eric Spolster, this is as good as he's coached in a long time. You could argue ever to some degree. Mm-hmm. And now Jimmy Butler, he has an ankle injury. He's out for a little while. It's probably only going to be a week or so of reports from South Florida suggest. But Miami is a team that I would look at also because of how they match up with these teams when fully healthy. They haven't really been fully healthy for mo- most of the season. And I think that's more of like, sort of a testament to their role players and how they've sort of been thriving. So the Bucks and then the Heat, those will be my bets. Brian Fonseca from FanDuel and his NBA focus on this Wednesday. Brian, thank you as always for your time and your analysis around the association. We round out hour number two next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our second hour together here on a Wednesday edition of the Morning After on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. I am just one part of this family here, though, on TMA in the mornings. Our producer, John Shames, our associate producer, Jack Weinberger, who you know for his outstanding caps, although sorry about Cincinnati, Jack. Our graphics producer, Jesse Metzger, and of course, 
our executive producer, Alex Fasano, who normally details very fun things for you, including fun facts to set you up for week 18 of the NFL regular season. How about this fun fact from Alex Fasano today? We know the Cooper Cup, the outstanding wide receiver for the LA Rams, is having a historic year in the NFL. In fact, Cooper Cup climbed to the number five all-time in the Super Bowl era for single-season receiving yards. He passed Isaac Bruce, a fellow Ram, and now has 1,829 yards along with the Rams' single-season team record. Cooper Cup had only one game this year, the entirety of the year, where he failed to reach over 90 yards. He has gone over 90 yards now in 12 straight games. With 136 receiving yards against the Niners in the regular season finale for the Rams, Cooper Cup will beat Megatron, yes, Calvin Johnson, Megatron's record, and he's already gone over 136 yards three times this year. 43 yards for the man we call Cooper Cup, and he'll move into second all time. Calvin Johnson, atop of the list, 1,964 yards receiving in a single season. Julio Jones, 1,871. Jerry Rice, 1,848. And then Antonio Brown, 1,834. Cooper Cup right now, 1,829. So hunting down a very historic season for Cooper Cup this weekend. The Rams, just a four-point favorite now at home against the San Francisco 49ers. That was Alex Fasano's fun fact of this Wednesday. Very fun indeed. Hour number three, a happy hour of the morning after is coming up next after, after you hear from Alex Fasano himself in a sports news update.